Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Tigers Talk Rugby. Before we get started, once again, I'd like to thank Tiger Vision for letting us use their facilities and, and their equipment. Um, yeah, so on that note, I'm Ethan Richards. And I'm CJ Bakel, and today we have a pretty good episode for you. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this last weekend's uh, Davenport-Clemson matchup, and uh, we have a special interview with that as well. And then oh, after that, we're going to talk a little bit more of the MLR uh, signings that have been happening as of recently. Yeah, and then uh, we're going to round it off with a, a little bit about the Premiership rugby uh, going on in England. Um, so let's get to it. First, again, starting off, Davenport Clemson. Final score, 45 Davenport, 29 Clemson. I think that, that was, I think it was a, this, the score might have suggested like a more one-sided game. But I thought it was pretty good. It was definitely a higher scoring game than we thought. And uh, it was de definitely like, a, the I, I don't know how to say it, not like a shootout or like a back and forth type match, I guess. Yeah, so uh, from from the perspective on the, on the sideline, uh, it was a relatively like, Davenport scores a try, Clemson scores a try, Davenport scores a try, until there was a, there was a moment in which Davenport put three in a row in like five or six minutes or so. Yeah. Um, it was real, real quick, really well put together, and that, that really like is what caused Davenport to pull away. Um, but it, it seemed relatively consistent on both teams uh, in, in um, quality of play. Especially the kicking um, on Davenport's side, their their ability to uh, receive kicks and and continue to return kicks was uh, quite quite impressive. Yeah, the, Davenport's time was really good at kicking. Yeah, he and, was really good at kicking. And their fifteen was a very solid uh, kick returner, and and he was able to put the ball back up in the air when he needed to, or he was able to run that ball down. There was one point in the in the match where it seemed like the ball was going back and forth and back and forth it, yeah, and there was, and forth. And it's like, oh, my gosh. There was a moment in which it was ping-ponging. And, and I, it was the funniest part about that to me was when I was on the sideline watching, I was looking at all the people in the middle of the field. And at some point, like, everybody just kind of stopped moving and, like, let the, let the people who rotate in the back three spots do their rotations. But nobody else moved because they knew the ball was just going to get kicked back it, and forth and it so was, it was quite entertaining to just see like like people look up at the ball and be like all right and it's getting kicked back and it's getting kicked back it was just it was it was quite funny because usually you see either like in international rugby or typically in a, in a match after like the second or third kick somebody kicks it into touch right but after but for this one nobody wanted to kick it into touch because all the balls were landing just outside the 22. Right, right, right. So and anything that would have gone into touch, you know, it's... It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been... Either, it would have been either tough to, you know, get yeah. it into touch, or it had been out on the full. So it was just going back and forth and back and forth until somebody finally, I think it was Dossie, finally kicked it, like, you know, back far enough over their 11. Yes. Where he... Uh, they had to chase a, it down and yeah, fell into right. the twenty-two. There was a decent chase down, and then he had to kick it out. So yeah, and it, and it I will say a, it was a very long string of kicks. Yeah, I will say uh, kudos to both teams on that because it's it's impressive being able to rotate the people to be set into the back three for those return kicks. Yeah, continuously like that, 
And so it was quite, quite good work on, on both Clemson and Davenport to, to be able to sustain that, that like 10 or 12 kicks that it, it seemed to have been. Yeah, that, but again, like we said, overall good match. Yeah. Um, um, Davenport, again, is the eighth team in the nation. Ninth. Ninth place. Yes. Ninth team in the nation. It's, so having, you know, putting it 29 points up and getting a bonus point against them is a very good showing in my, in, uh, in my opinion. Because, again, it's a thing to look up the, uh, look, don't look at the result too heavy. Look at the process. Because like we went from 55 nothing to 45-29, being able to put 29 points on, uh, you know, on Davenport from not being able to put any points up on Navy. So I think that, that's a, that was a good sign. It was a good growing moment. Mm -hmm. And we scored, or we you know, earned our first you know, point in the Mid-South for, for however <laughs> long it's been. Yeah, um, I, one thing that I quite enjoyed um, was the intensity in which Clemson came out onto the field with. Yeah. Uh, I think um, the first try happened within the first five minutes, and it was a, it was a Tigers try. And it was um, awarded to, I believe, Arthur? No? No, no. it was... It was um, Dossie? Hunter Dossie. You're right. Yeah. Uh, he, it was... Friend of the show, Hunter Dossie. Yeah, yeah. He um, brought it down the, the sideline and, and it was, a, was able to work the ball around the edge. It was a good set piece. So all week, we had been working on this certain set piece. And uh, like we had been using it from that exact spot that the scrum happened. So when that happened, we were like, OK, guys, it's like a no-brainer. Let's try it. Let's try to do this. And it worked. So mm -hmm. it was very, it was a good, it was a good, uh, good set piece. Yeah. It was, it was, it was uh, exhilarating to watch. And, and, and it was cool to see some of the uh, energy that came out of that yeah. uh, off the bat. Um, a lot of guys are really, really excited about that. Yeah. One, one of the things, though, I will have to criticize um, is I felt like there were a lot of mistakes in the basics. There were a lot more drop balls than what I traditionally has happened in the last few games, I believe, I feel, for, for the Clemson Tigers. I, I think there was a lot of basics kind of on, a little bit on both sides that were being mistaken because, like, their hooker, he was, he was not being, he was not able to throw the, throw lineouts whatsoever. Yes, yeah, I, I, there, I think the basics struck in different yeah, outlets. in different and yeah, and places. I think I think the the basics in which Clemson was 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 struggling with um, were more impactful to the score than than the parts in which Davenport yeah, were fair. were making their mistakes in. That's fair. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, that's again, it's uh, every day. You, there's what the basics have, and and it's not it's not easy to to come out every day week in week out and and do the basics right and that's why that's why teams like life and and cal and and lindenwood and and St. navy Mary's and St. Mary's, they, those teams are the teams that currently they put the base they they're they can do the basics really well and they do the basics consistently and and that's like it's just that's a point in which I think everybody in the sport needs to work on. Um, so, a couple, uh, I guess, good pointers. We had three people score their first tries oh, last yeah, weekend. Yeah. We got Arthur Doyle, Markel Thomas, and uh, 
Chris Orrick. They all scored their first try, and I was very proud of them. And yeah. Dossie scored one as well. And uh, I think that was, was that it for? I believe, I believe that was, well. No, no there was one no, more. there was one more, one more. Um, I'm blanking. Yeah, I'm blanking on who I'm, did I'm, that on scored. I'm not sure who scored that one. But it was, like, again, yeah. having all those guys, you know, come out and, uh, and score really good tries. Like, Chris's was fantastic. And same with Markel. Both just breakaway tries, just running down, all put up, you know, they backed themselves, all kind of individual effort. And, yeah, and it, was, it was showed a good boost of athleticism that, that, we, that Clemson does have as a program. And, and it shows that, like, like it, it's not a scholarship program. It's, it's, but they're still able to uh, find and, and, and involve and build players that, that not only put things together as a group and, and are able to score a try off of a strong set piece with Hunter Dossie, but also individuals who, who can understand how to beat the man on the edge or beat the man on a breakaway and, and score the try on, on, their in, on an individual level yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so, like, kudos to them. That was, yeah, it was, was good. It was good. Now, since we're talking about tries, Yes, we uh, had one controversial try. That so, in my eyes, uh, even so, th to explain what had occurred, um, there was a grubber by in a Davenport player uh, to himself from the five meter line into the try zone that he dove on and was awarded the try. Although uh, he, after it had occurred, he still he looked as if he had messed up like he you could tell it registered with him that he felt like he had made a mistake um which is why it's almost in, it's interesting it's it's a controversial in the sense of if he didn't intentionally drop the ball onto his foot which clearly it didn't look as if he did then how do you award that as a as a kick when it was unintentional that is traditionally considered a knock-on and so uh, the the question was is is why was he awarded a try for a, an unintentional kick off of a dropped ball rather than the scrum going the other way? Um, yeah. I know I know there was some discussion with a touch judge, um, I, although obviously I do not know what was said. I don't know if you heard it. You would have been no, a little I was closer. On the sideline. Um, when but that happened. it's just it's. It's confusing to me as to why, I, like, first off, somebody would never grub to themselves on the Within, five meter yeah, on, the on five a break meter. on a breakaway where where there's really not much to defend, or much much defending them because right. the the pass was made to him and he had the open field in front of him. Yeah, it, it, it was like he was going straight through a gap. It kind of looked like he, you know was fumbling with the pass a little bit, dropped it a little forward. Yeah, it looked uh, like it he was... had tried to pull it, pull it into his chest and it fell out from his chest and it bounced off his foot, which is traditionally, if it's not an intentional kick, it, uh, refs will call it considered a knock-on because it does come off the body initially as, as a drop. I will say it is definitely frustrating that that happened yeah. because I think that was a big uh, turning point because the Clemson boys would have been, you know, 
they would, they would have been within, you know, seven points at that point in time. They would have been within, you know, I think, yeah, yeah seven points. And that would have, I think that would have made it a little bit closer to game. Guys, you know, the guys would have been like a little bit more invigorated and then wanted to go down and score again. So maybe, I'm not, this is all speculation, <laughs> but I'm just saying if it weren't for that try, maybe we would have had a, a different game. Speculation. Well, I mean, uh, for sure, anytime there's a controversial call with a, with a try or, and, and, po or and points are going onto the board because of it, it, it makes it, it makes it more impactful to the outcome of the game, clearly, yeah. because points are, are involved. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe, who knows, maybe that try, if that didn't exist, the score would just be seven less than what it was. But, but on the other side of the coin, like, there's so many different things that that can, that's one event impacts mentally, many. physically, like, yeah. like, skillfully, it, 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 it's, it's a toss-up. It, 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 it's just a, it's one of those controversial calls that I'm sure players on Clemson will be talking about for years to come in their match against Davenport, in which they were slighted a, a, a potential scrum rather than being scored yeah. on and, and causing a change in the play. So, and a change in the momentum, absolutely. So, yeah, um, on that note, uh, I think we've beat this game down quite a bit. Well, we might have, but we have an interview with a Davenport player that we took specially after the game. That's right. So That's right. we will shoot you over to me, uh, sideline pitch side, for the interview with Enrique Carmona. And I'm here with Enrique Carmona from the Davenport University team. He's a winger. So thank you, Enrique, for coming out. No, thank you guys for having us. Uh, it was a hard game. Your boys came up and they showed up to play. Uh, definitely, they turned up and they gave us a good hard game. So, uh, how like overall, what you think went well? What didn't go well? What do you think you can improve on? All right. So our focus for this game was our defense, and we didn't quite accomplish it. I mean, we it was hard because your boys showed up. They were they run like strong lines, and they were just like keeping the intensity up, and we couldn't like turn up and we were disappointed with that but rather than that I mean we came up with the win and the win is a win so keeping it pretty modest keeping it yeah. pretty modest uh, so your season so far is going pretty well you're what one and one now two and one uh, two, two one and one two, we one and one yeah we tied against no trading college over there and we beat uh, Penn State and I mean you guys and then Basically, we just want to finish inside the top 10 by the end of the year. I mean, you're eight right now, so it looks like that's pretty good. Yeah. So what are your expectations for the rest of the season? Uh, we only have one game left, and it's home against Lindenwood, which is the number three or four uh, team of the country. And we pretty much want to give them a hard game and try our best and hopefully get a win. Okay, last question I have for you is, what is your favorite rugby memory? Uh, it's just playing with the boys at Nationals for sevens, and we got third place. And it was, oh, a, yeah. Yeah, it was a hard game, and it was really fun to play. All right, well, appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. All right, so um, that was a pretty good interview. And you know what, also? So he talked a little bit about the you know, Davenport situation in the D1A in the Mid-South. I would like to say that you know, they lost to the Navy. Life played Navy this last weekend. Final score was 24-19. 
Wow. Life won. That was a close, no, close yeah. match. Really, that might put a little bit of ripples through the, the D1A. Yeah, I, the, probably uh, probably the closest game life's had in a while. In a while, yeah. It it like so. Um, I I can't wait to follow Navy for the rest of this year. It'll be very and, and into the next few years, really. Um, especially if Gavin Hickey sticks around. Clearly, he's done something to this program to, really, to bring them up into the upper echelons of, of play. Um, and really back them. It's, it, yeah. And yeah. I, so I'm excited to hear more, more on, on that. So enough collegiate rugby. Yes. Let's get into the professional stuff. Yes. Because <laughs> I'm excited for this MLR season, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so one it's thing. It's so close. It's so close, <laughs> but it's so far. A couple months, a couple months still. Uh, one of the things that we haven't talked about that is really big is the amount of like signings and, and imports. That, and like transfers that, and all that stuff. Yeah, happening. the MLRs brought in. So, um, of course, uh, a couple weeks ago we had that interview with Jason Dom um, on, on the homecoming weekend for Clemson's alumni events. Uh, so we did hear about that, that transfer to Atlanta. Um, but what we didn't really talk about was some of these other pickups by Atlanta. Um, they had uh, Harley Davidson as well. Um, Big fan of Harley from Davidson. Glendale, yeah. Uh, so that's two players that they just took from, uh, from Glendale. From Glendale, uh, that were starters, really. Yeah, so. I think I think that might hurt Glendale a little bit because not only are they two starters, they're two young players. They are they, young. You know, both of them Jason, are not too far out from college. Yeah, both like Harley Davidson, you know, played for life last year, and then Jason is. Like that was, two years out, yeah. So he's like two years removed from the Clemson side, so like it's pretty, you know, it's pretty close. Like it, like they're young players and they're impactful players. So I think Glendale or Colorado now, my bad, yes. are gonna yes, be yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's one thing to talk bit. about. I, I I don't think it. I think Colorado's brought in is they they've made so many selections this this off season for. A lot of names that are I, I I don't think they'll be hurt with these takes. Uh, I think they will be different. I think that they've brought in a couple people uh, from places like Life University or St. Mary's that can and can fill spots on the field and at, at this or or force players who are in those positions that J, Jason and Harley are leaving uh, and making those positions. Like more, more competitive. Okay. Because they bring in more skill to the to the club. Yeah, they definitely they definitely like went out and tried to sign a lot of guys because I'm seeing uh, some guys like that played for Hawks Bay, Life, uh, San Diego, the Panasonic Wild Knights, and uh, Digby Yuani. Um, yeah. But also, again, like I said, a lot of key players leaving. Like Dylan Takedo Simpson, last year he was really he was really crucial for uh, for Glendale's success. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing him, you know, DTS move to to DC Old Glory. I don't know if that's a if that will hurt Colorado a lot, but I because uh, I, I, I think he was such a good player for them. Yeah, at the least, at the least, this this or this Colorado Raptors side is gonna be it's gonna be a different team. Yeah, it's gonna it's, be a different. Team. It's it's amazing because with this rebranding comes a new team, 
And so it's kind of a good refresher for, for the uh, uh, program as a whole and the team as a whole and, and is, is that now um, it's, it's developed and it's, it's all coming as one new unit almost. It's, it's a whole, it's like getting a nice cold glass of water. <laughs> so, yeah, um, a couple of other um, international pickups uh, that I, you know, I, I find interesting in a way that I, is, I don't know if it's good or if it's almost too much, is um, some of the pickups from uh, New Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. so they've. I thought only you were going to take a different uh, segue route with that. No, no. Actually, I, I, I was thinking about it, but to me, you look so New Orleans gold. New Orleans gold. You see, um, formally, what what I am aware of. There's only been five pickups um, by New Orleans, and uh -huh. only two of them are uh, American. American, or or from. A U.S. program, right? So uh, I, I I like the idea of pulling in some international talent to help increase the level of rugby within the U.S. But as soon as you start filling more spots with international players than than American players or, or North American players, uh, in in some cases, because there is the Canadian team, um, you you're starting to lose growing American rugby in a way and to me that's that feels like what M MLR should is looking at is is it's a professional league in the uh, in North America yeah it's a professional league developing North American rugby and as soon as you start getting like losing a lot of American rugby players and filling it with international rugby players then you're not completing that objective so I'm, when you talk about that, I'm thinking of the, like, they're bringing these international players to make the game so much more competitive to, so that Americans who come into the side are, are, like, have to play at this high level. So that when you get those Americans who play, they're playing at a high quality level rugby. Yes. With, along these, uh, alongside these internationals. So, like, you look at the New, uh, New England Free Jacks. They brought in 13 players. 12 of them are international. Yes. Coming and from everywhere from Samoa, to Fiji, Tonga, Ireland, Canada, like Japan. It's from everywhere. So I think that having that diversity of talent and coming from all these international place, players, places might be like, it, it'll definitely help raise the games, uh, like the, inter, the MLR's like game, like the quality. But it doesn't raise American rugby quality or North American rugby quality, which is where I struggle with finding the balance. Because I'm content. I love watching good rugby. I love watching great rugby. I love watching phenomenal rugby. But I also love watching American North American succeed. rugby grow. I want to see North American rugby be able to go into a World Cup and win one, two, three games and, and make, be, it, to the, be a make it to the quarterfinals. Yeah, and, and maybe a decade from now we can do we can make the change that Japan has made. Yeah. Make the difference that Japan has has done. And 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 so I I just I struggle to see why so many international pickups 
is going to benefit North American rugby when you are releasing players who are American grassroots players who are trying to get better at the game and grow the game mm -hmm. for the sake of North America in order to pick up and win with international players. I guess it's a, it's a, it's a fair argument, but it depends on how you see it. Cause like, it's, like, it's a fine line. It yeah, is a fine, fine line. line. And, and, and at the same time, like we are going into the third season with three new teams yeah. Uh, for this league, and maybe, maybe what I don't know, because I, I'm not, I, I don't talk to the people who run the MLR yeah. on a regular We're basis, not. is, is I, maybe what I don't know is that they're bringing these players in so they can establish good rugby before they try to do that. And maybe that's a step that I'm not aware of, but, and I want to give the benefit of the doubt because it's like this league has is, is come together really well. Yeah. It's uh, uh, clearly going into its third season as the most successful American professional rugby league we've had. Period. Period. So uh, I, I, and then I like, can see its success coming from the route that's been taken. And then not only that, but being able to be a league that is able to like draw or be a draw for some talent, like big, 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 big names. Especially, like, like, we'll, we'll hit on in a second, but like some of these, like, huge names that are being able to pull in like i think that it might be a good move to establish yourself as a league mm -hmm. and be like all right we are gonna be you we, we might not be the best you know rugby like league in the world but we're gonna establish ourselves as a good one mm -hmm. so you know like it's, it's established as a good one and then just build from there and then being able to attract this international talent and these big, big names and recruit them mm -hmm. might, you know, be like, hey, maybe this will bring in more revenue, more uh, draw to the game, and then improve, like, the spectatorness of the game and yeah. draw in, like, more people to come watch. Because, like, look at Seattle Seawolves. They sell out their stadium every, every freaking time. Yeah. So with that, like... Um, but before we get into um, some of the advertising and the ability to watch the games, let's, you, you mentioned that we, we were going to mention a couple big names that were brought in. So I, to me, the biggest name of recent, I think Ma'ananu is probably the biggest name brought in oh, hands at down. this point. Hands down. As, but, uh, that's a pickup that I think will change how San Diego play, like, like 100%. So Ma Ananu, again, he is kind of on his like last couple legs. You know, he's he's probably gonna retire soon. He's getting a little old, but having an All Black who has won World Cups, who mm -hmm. has been you know in the conversation for best player in the world, he's been in the conversation for one of the best centers ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like having him come over to San Diego is insane. And then alongside of some of the other signings that they have coming in from like Barrett, Saracens, Hurricanes, like this is like that's insane. Being able to mm -hmm. take these names over from you know these uh or these bigger names is pretty cool to see, and like growing or like watching being a rugby fan and then seeing that news that Ma Nanu was signed to San Diego, it's like holy crap! I want to see him and play one point in time. Yeah, I that was one thing like. 
I never thought I was going to be able to see him play live, but he plays in the United States, and and you can find some cheap tickets using Spirit. So yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, it might not love a love trip to, to San Diego yeah. might be on the books might, for the Tigers Talk Rugby Boys. Oh, absolutely! I would love to go out and, and do a show out on the West Coast, and maybe we could try to contact one of those teams. So. Hey, you never know. Yeah, I would. But I, so another big name. Matteo Bastaro, the uh, beast, yes. the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> you love him. I love him. I grow, like, growing up as a, you know, I lived in England for a little bit of time. So when I was first, like, you know, getting into the sport, I remember watching, you know, France versus England in the Six Nations, right? Mm-hmm. Back in, like, 2012, 2011-ish area. So when I'm watching those oh. games and I see this huge man, this large human being at center, just crash balls and just dominating it. It's like, holy crap, who is this guy? And then you like, you kind of like get into it a little bit and it's like, okay, you know that he's, you know, Matteo Bassaro. And honestly, I think that might be a big, that might be a big, 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 big signing for uh, Rugby United New York. Yeah. Maybe really? it might be more impactful than Ma'ananu in San Diego. Because San Diego is already a good team. They're, you know, they're finalists. Yeah, Ro- Rooney's Last year they were finalists. Rooney's making a name for themselves. Yeah, this Rooney, year. they might be putting themselves ahead. Yeah, because this having is... him and Ben Foden, two players that you know used to play against each other back in the day, that's probably an interesting take. And spe- especially like good teammate. Like the reason why I say like Rooney this year, like Rugby United New York, they have the chance to make a name for themselves is because this year with the split into the East and West divisions, they, they have three new teams mm-hmm. to play. They have three teams that have not, they have not seen in a formal professional setting yeah. And, yeah. in which they're about to face off with almost week in, week out um, with how the schedule is set up. And so if they can come in and be like, we're the old boys, we will dominate, we, we have the experience in the MLR, over you, and that's what's going to take us above and beyond. That can that like, it's it's going to be exciting to watch them put that question to to rest. So, from there, do you th- looking at also Seattle? I'm going to switch it down to Seattle. Looking at Seattle signings, do you think that they could win it? Go for the three peat? Uh, you know, honestly, I don't even think Seattle needed to sign very many players to. Be competitive for the for for another win. Yeah, I think they've got a great system built. They've got great coach set up with with their with their whole entire coaching roster, and and they've got they they do it all right. Their advertising is strong. Their their support in the stadium is almost sold out every every single game, every home game they have, and and they. Uh, they play good, hard rugby, and that's why they're able to to take over every year. And and I think I I, I like the signings that they've made. They've picked up players from from uh, the Cheetahs and Ulster, and and those like. But I don't think they needed it, which mm. is exciting, because now it's like, how much better are they going to be? Well, I mean, the West it just seems like every but every team in the West has a shot this year. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, I mean, in the West, that's a good like it's a good point that they don't they might not need to be like a little like they don't need to sign big name players because they already 
have the talent and the they coaching. They have a core and a they group. They have a good core group. Like, why would you mess that up? Right. Like, if you have a good core group and they're playing well together, I think it's like, not you shouldn't, like, you know, mess with it. Yeah. If it ain't and, broke, don't fix it. And even with losing a couple guys to some of the other teams, like, I don't, I don't necessarily think as a whole that's going to, to hurt the, the whole. Yeah. Hurt the, the, the group. It, they, they're a very unity-based program in my eyes. So now going to another um, West, uh, West team, a Western Conference team, Austin. I Austin heard, do you think that they're, that they might actually win a game this year? Oh, wow. Do you think wow. they'll be that improved? Was, that was a, a hard shot right in the, right in the gut. Well, I mean, it's tough because last year, you know, they, I, I guess they didn't want, they didn't get the results they want. No, I, I, I mean, think that what they really need is just to like find a groove and stick with it. I mean, they've 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 lost about ten guys. Yeah, they lost they, a lot they, of guys. They've lost a good good portion of of their rosters. Like so, I I they're gonna be a whole new team, and yeah, whether that team is gonna be good, I I can't give you the answer. I want to see a good Austin Herd. I, I want them to be able to compete and, and take over and, and show up and be like, hey, we might not have done well the last few years, but this is our year. This is the year of the Herd, you know? The year of the Herd. I like it. So, but, I, I mean, once again, like, they've made so many changes, and I believe they have a new coach now as well. Do they, do they not? I believe so. Yeah, oh. so, so who knows what... what in store for the herd. So, now, I'm I, gonna, can we t spend two seconds talking about Houston Saint Cats? You know, do, my you, you may spend yeah, two I seconds may talking spend about two it. Seconds. <laughs> so, Saint Cats, you know, a little biased, uh, <laughs> but our, in terms of our like their signings, I don't know how they're gonna show up this year because they lost Matt Truville, who. Last year was more like a player coach, like a player recruiter coach. Mm -hmm. uh, he was, you know, he's been a solid, you know, leader on the team, and now he's retired. And I think he's taking now a coaching role, which, as a player, I think that might hurt a team because he was a really good player. But as a coach, he's a very good leader. So who knows? Yeah. Um, well, my biggest thing is that they lost Joshua VC. Holy smokes, was he a player? He was, he, he, so he was suspended for a decent amount of last season. He was. But in the games that he played, he was running over teams. So I remember watching uh, Glendale versus Houston in a very good tight game. And he was, he was like lightning in a bottle that game. They passed it to him. He was just trucking people. He was stiff arming them. He, he it seemed like whenever he got the ball into space, he was already gone. Yeah. It was insane. Yeah, He's a good player. I, for me, uh, the biggest thing I see, the biggest pickup to me is is Zach Godfrey from from Leicester. Yeah, I think that'll that'll do some good for the program. Yeah, I, get, I, get a nice uh, English boy in there, <laughs> you know, bring him down to Texas. But also, like like, I, I wouldn't say Zach Zach Godfrey's like a like a oh my gosh sort of name, but like, I mean, Leicester Tigers. He's consistent. He doesn't. 
he's not a poor player. He's not like you're picking up like, oh, so he can't make it onto the Leicester roster, so we're gonna he's gonna come play in America, sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Like uh, he's 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 it's a name that uh, that I think is gonna hopefully provide some consistency. Because that was my thing. I didn't see consistency with the Sabercats. Yeah, that was, that was very true. And, and so I, hopefully a name like that will bring in some consistency. <laughs> I guess. It's a question. So, so or, or, or maybe he'll, he'll become inconsistent with the program. But, um, I hope not. Oh, I hope not. But like, like we've been saying, we're thinking that this next year is going to be looking really, really good. Yeah, I'm, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. So, yeah. so shifting points... Now we're going to uh, talk, or shifting leagues, I should say, going across the seas. Mm -hmm. The Premiership. How, what are your, uh, what are your takes? How is it looking from you? Because you're kind of the Premiership expert over here. Well, nobody's undefeated. Yeah. So it's, I like the sound of that. <laughs> as a as a Bath fan myself, I like it when nobody's undefeated because right now it's been a mixed bag at the beginning of this this year you know like uh, i the first couple of weeks i saw bristol like the results that bristol was uh, having and i'm like dang oh. they're doing pretty well and then they like lose a game and it's like oh i mean they're still doing great they still have the highest points differential in the league and they still they've still uh i believe collected all the points they can have as three and one really? almost almost all um uh, close they're they're they've got 14 points in the league uh, so that would be uh, not quite all the points then. Yeah, um, not quite all of them. So, but still, but uh, up there, plenty, plenty of points. And so uh, it, they're them and Northampton have kind of been leading. But uh, yes, yeah, Saracens you know, is third, but let, that's like a big asterisk right now. <laughs> that I yeah, take that total in minus thirty-five. Ouch. Um, no, my thing is with with some of these teams is you're going to see shifts in this table as the international players trickle trickle back into the Premiership. Yeah. So as yeah. soon as you see like uh, the Anthony Watson, Ant yeah, the and Sam, Sam Underhills. Um, I, I clearly, we named the Bath players because you know yeah, I'm a Bath fan. But um, nice yeah, but so like Owen Farrell, uh, from Owen the Farrell. There you go. And the, yeah, yeah. Like you've got there are plenty and, like, of uh, the you've had to clerk for sale. Vinopolas, like yeah. both of them make, make their way back in, and, and like you get those names back in. Saracens will be a different team. Well, I mean, without a doubt, Bath will be a different team. And, and uh, even with the few guys that they have that are going to be coming back, it'll be a different roster. So even like they're sitting, they're sitting towards the bottom of the pack because of their points differential, and because they don't see, they haven't gotten all of their bonus points and whatnot in all their games. But, but like once, once, but once, once, once those players start making it. In. So I like, I, I'm, I'm very, like. Ex excited for this year, not uh, not in a way of like, like for my team to be the best team in the league right away, but but because it's it feels tighter this year as a whole. You've got so many teams that are that are two and two. You've got and and no teams undefeated, and and there's only been four games for everybody. So like it's either three and three. It's it's three, three and, and one, one, two and two, two and two, or one and three. three. So everybody like is a game away from, from the people three in front of them or four in front of them. So, so the jumps in the standings right now are, could be immense, which 
I'm ready to see. I love to see a shakeup, and I'm always satisfied when Saracens is not at the top of the table. Well, I mean, they're not so gonna, we know that this year, due to their you know salary cap violation, yeah. they're not gonna. That's, they're not gonna. They like they cannot be at the top of the table this year. Which, so it's definitely a, a year for some of these other teams to like pop off and do really really well. Yeah, uh, I intentionally threw that Saracens coming in there in hopes that you would do that, so thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Saracens, I don't know how they made a mistake like that. Salary cap has been so important in, in professional rugby for, for years yeah. now. So like, like the fact that you can turn around and be like, oh, we're over our salary we're cap. We're over our salary cap by two million pounds. Yeah, by two million pounds. Like, what? <sighs> okay, but, uh, you know. You each think that they were like, uh, maybe we could get away with this. they kind of like looking around like, could have been. Maybe we could get away with this, but I don't think that, that like, it's tough. I don't want to assume ill, but it could be that way. But it, it'd, be the, it'd be like that. I mean, Saracens is such a good team. Like, he was <laughs> yeah. rattling off names. It's like, Owen Farrell plays for them. The Budapolis plays for them. Like, you know, Mara Toje plays for them. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, I mean... You look at it and you're like, it makes sense to why they went two million pounds over, but also at the same time, like, why would you let yourself go two million pounds over, knowing that you had all these big names on your roster and that's gonna get checked? Like, <laughs> you people are gonna yeah, like, people you, are gonna look at that. You are in the spotlight. <laughs> yeah, you've put yourself in the spotlight with big names, so, so it is what it is, I guess. Quick hot take: Who's winning the premiership this year? Well, you know. I'm just going to say Bath. Oh, come <laughs> on. No, um, 100%. Uh, I could see Bristol doing it. You could see Bristol doing it? Mm-hmm. I think they've, like, their first four games um, have been good, and their loss was not a bad loss. It was, uh, like, I think um, they, and it's, it's, I don't think they I, – I, correct me if I'm wrong. I do not think they have a lot of players that they're missing due to uh, international okay. level. Yeah, um, you're, you're pretty factual in that statement. Uh, so to me, I look at them and say they've had one loss by five, um, and it was – was it – it was – was it at Harlequins? I, that's, that's a question. I, I'm not going to say if it was or not, but um, every other game was a win. They destroyed Bath like, in their game, and so they can show that they can put the points up and, and dominate when they need to. So as long as they're not riddled with injury, I think they'll stick on this trend. I think they will still beat other programs. But same side, I'm a Bath fan. Bath's going to win the premiership. They're going to win it every year for the next 20 <laughs> years. Uh, screw anybody that says any otherwise. Anything otherwise. <laughs> God. <laughs> that was probably the most biased statement of anybody You're dang in right. like, sports media, period. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, I, I, and I mean it with good humor. Um, they definitely haven't been playing the cleanest games recently, um, especially, like, they've been taking unnecessary cheap shots at players in, like, like this past weekend when they got the red card for an elbow to the neck. Like, it, it was so unnecessary. It was like that, that red card didn't need to happen at all. Bath is lucky that they, they were awarded 
two yellows again, like for the other side, but like, like, they didn't, like, they don't need to be doing that. They shouldn't be needing to do that. And and clearly, like, with with their win with their win this weekend, like, it was against Northampton, and it was a nine point victory, with a with a red card. Uh, so, and Northampton's currently sitting at the Second. top of the table. Yeah. yeah, like like so they don't need to be making those. Decisions, errors. those errors, yeah. It, keep your cool, play the game. That's that's all I have to say on that. But like, that's my little rant about watching that bath game this this past Friday or Saturday <laughs> morning. So. All right. Yeah. Well, on that note, we would like to wrap it up. Wrap it up. So thank you again, guys. Thanks for listening today. All like always. Again, we're on Facebook and now YouTube. So if you're going to leave us some comments, leave them in the comment section. We'd like to hear your, your hot takes. Who, who do you guys think is going to win the premiership after four games? Who do you yeah. think is the biggest big-name signing for the MLR? And uh, what's your most exciting thing for coming up for the collegiate season as well? So yeah. Give me the answers to all those three questions. And, and I want to add one more on there. Who do you root for? What is your team's? I, I want to know what teams, because I would love to be able to talk about your team. Yeah, let's hear. Yeah, let's hear what some of your teams are, because like if we we hear a lot of uh, rugby ATL, I guess we'll maybe talk a little bit of rugby ATL. Yeah, absolutely. So let us know. So um, on that, thanks again, Tiger Vision. I'm Ethan Richards. I'm CJ Bakel, and this is another episode of Tiger's Talk Rugby. Watch some rugby this weekend, please. <laughs>